Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 44 of the Odyssey podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Connor Campbell. Connor, how are you getting on? I'm not your excellent co-host anymore. That's like been at at every intro. I was like, what the fuck? What have I done to you? I'm I'm tired, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Um, I'm okay, apparently. Not not excellent. Uh, no, I am I am only okay. I don't. I had an annoying training session just there. Um, it's Grant. Yeah, it's Grant. I have my. It's like the start of my singles. So I had singles at seven, squat and bench today, and I'll have singles at eight next week, and then that'll kind of bring us into competition. And it was one of those days where the last warm ups become the top set. You know, which is always a a frustrating time. But yeah, just kind of dealing with it getting over it and i was kind of I, I allowed myself the space to be thick um and then like literally when i was in the shower i was like here look this is part of the process like you can't you can't have it all fucking sunshine and rainbows and things prep has been going really well so this is just a part of it like optimism pessimism good sessions bad sessions it's it's all part of the game you know so yep. it's just it is what it is, you know, day 365 of, of tugging it out. I don't, like, what more can you, what more can you say? Yep, yep. I guess the way, the way I would probably find myself trying to kind of reframe that is, well, I guess it's a good thing I had the downward, that little dip, you know, two weeks, what is it, three weeks out now? Yeah, three uh, weeks out, right? Two and a bit. Yeah, just under three. three. Um... So it's good that I, I'm experiencing it now and not in two weeks and five days time. Totally, you know? totally, yeah. And it's it's funny, and I'm I'm sure fellow coaches can relate to this. Like I know exactly what I would say to one of my lifters or just a random person in this instance, and I like tried saying it to myself, and I was like, "That's bollocks!" Like, what are you talking about? I was like, because I would always say, "Look, man, like we're getting to the stage where fatigue is at its highest." Do you know, mm-hmm. like you're going to be feeling beat up. You're going to be susceptible to some little niggles, pains, aches, you know, some stuff like that. Because I, I had just this kind of weird ache in like my bottom left hip. What what somebody would probably describe as an SI joint dysfunction, which is absolutely not the case. Um, and I felt it this morning when I was sitting down for work and I was like, hmm, I wonder how this is going to develop throughout the day and how this is going to affect my my squats. And of course, when you're thinking that, it's not going to improve. Like it's just going to kind of build and fester. And I, I was like, how am I going to distract myself from this thing? Which obviously is another way to, to guarantee it will stay there. Uh, and that was really pissing me off during my, my squats, like unracking felt like I was losing the connection to my foot. And it was just kind of glitching a little bit. You know, I'd felt it, I felt it in the past. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty common thing. Um, so like everything felt like ass and I was just like, mm, no, I'm going to try and power through. And I clipped the safety on the shit rack and chaos. It's, it's, I hate to say it because I'm not, I know a bad workman blames his tools. This is a shit rack. <laughs> I fucking hate it. And anyone who trains in chaos or who has trained in chaos knows the rack that I'm talking about. And it like totally threw me off and I just stood up and I was like, fuck this now. This is just one of them, one of them days do you know but um yeah. like you say it's it's just part of the game you yeah. know uh so yeah look i'm grand how are you i'm pretty good i'm pretty good we're recording in the evening and my my schedule does not suit that very well so here we are <laughs> <laughs> sure look sure listen. ah were you training today not today not today i um i was woken in the early hours of the morning uh to to uh, an alarm of a building on the the street I live on, oh. so I took the I made the audible to to not train this morning uh, on like two hours of sleep and just get a good night's sleep tonight and bang out a couple of bang out a good session tomorrow. And instead. what's the what is the, the even the the mindset around training at the moment is it like deliberately off seasony with a lot of variation or is it just back to developmental stuff? Yeah, um, so pretty off-season-y by all accounts. Mm. Rel- definitely from a relative point of view, it's as off-season-y as it's ever, ever been. Um, bar me just not training really and yeah, doing a different sport. That's real off-season, it's just not yeah. 
Um, no, it's it's going really well. I had kind of registered my requests with my coach a few weeks before I had even competed because I was just so sick of prepping mm. that last kind of six weeks. So I was I was ahead of the game uh, in that regard, and I had kind of told him exactly what I wanted to do, which was just kind of reallocate training resources towards upper body accessories, particularly um, some lower body accessories and just kind of bro out a bit, mm. mess around with some conventional and yeah, no, it's all been, all been going really well. Um, I've been training at 7.30 a.m., which has been pretty ass for the most <laughs> part. It's It's been tolerable. So the way I'm kind of training right now, I've got like an upper day, a lower day, an upper day and a lower day. Uh, now there is nice. upper body stuff. That there is There is upper stuff in my lower day. Mm. but i don't care you it's know like so, focus yeah whereas the upper day is just upper which is yeah. really really nice like so nice like i feel awesome after those upper sessions but um th- those are fine the upper sessions are grand in the morning and, and strength outputs are fine uh, on like bench press and stuff but jesus it's hard to squat and deadlift heavy at half seven in the morning like mm. i've been really focusing on like prepping like i'll 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 carb load the night before I'll I'll get up at like a specific time so I can get like 50 grams of carbs into me hydrate. I'll even take a diorolite, like do a proper like rehydration protocol after obviously sleeping for eight Mm. hours and, and and not taking any fluids on board. Um, I'll time my caffeine. Like I really, you know, uh, morning routine is dialed in. Dot my eyes. And, um, it still feels like shit. So <laughs> it's probably one of those things where I'm probably just going to have to kind of bite the bullet as as time goes on and training trends back towards kind of more specific, heavier stuff and just have a couple of sessions a week at least at kind of the later possible training slot, which would be around 3 p.m., okay. um, which would be fine. That would be fine as well. It would just kind of cut down on my uh, time at home, you know. But that, mm. that's that's life. The um, one surprising thing, the, there's something funny about people who train consistently very in the early, very early in the morning, is that they have a tendency to make it a huge part of their personality, and they tend to <laughs> remind you very, very often. You haven't done that, which I'm which I'm impressed about. But one thing that used to really like freak me out. It was when I was doing like the super early classes, like I think it would start at like six o'clock or something or start even a little bit beforehand. But you would obviously need to be there in the gym beforehand. I used to look at the people that we were training and look at them and be like, honestly, God, I could not be training this time like you are. And you're, and you're expected to be the guy, like the, the this thing to look up to, this role model of fitness. And I'd be sitting there like asleep. And like, I don't know yeah. how you're training right now. People really as much as I like people who train very early in the morning and, and tell you about it every single day, it's fucking impressive. Super impressive. Yeah. Super impressive. You know, it's funny. This is a random segue, um, but maybe a cool topic to kind of start us off on what is just going to be a random mishmash of topics. <laughs> um, Cause it, I sp- we can't really call this a Q and a as such because it's not, but um, <laughs> we got some statements. As opposed to yeah. questions, uh, we got some opinions. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool, thanks, um, bro. I guess we'll just do what we're good at, which is giving our relatively yeah, uneducated opinions on stuff. But <laughs> it's funny, man, being back. I'm, I'm back coaching in-person general pop uh, for six weeks now. And I absolutely adore it. Like, I love doing this. Uh, it's such an enjoyable thing to do and I can't believe I I can't believe I didn't realize how much I missed it you know mm. um it's not something like if you asked me did I miss it I, I, I would have been probably fairly indifferent in how I responded but now that I'm actually back doing it and back engaging in in those those types of you know uh interaction social interactions and and the relationships and it's just awesome like I, I enjoy every aspect of it um but it's 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 as i get back to it that i realize just how much of my kind of philosophy surrounding coaching 
programming, training in general come from that base as a gen pop coach or trainer? Like my approach to, to working with powerlifters is what I'm saying. Mm. Like the, the foundation of, of, of my philosophies come from the, the experience gained with working with gen pop. If that makes sense. I feel like it's very easy when you get into powerlifting coaching, especially if you haven't got a background in coaching gen pop to kind of be quite fanciful with your, your programming and you know, your coaching style and act like this is the most important thing ever. And everything's on the line. If you're not working hard enough, you don't deserve it. All this kind of nonsense. Um, but when you work with real people who have families and jobs and actual priorities (laughs) (laughs) in their life, and you realize that there's this kind of, there's this hierarchy of like what's important and it's very, very clear and apparent. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's when you, when you're faced with someone who has sixty minutes a week to get as much quality training done as they can, it's like, okay, I am not even going to talk to you about fucking uh, squat depth. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, you're you're two inches above parallel. Do I care? And am I going to waste your time interfering there? Yeah. No, no, I'm not. It's it's really not important. You know what I mean? It's just an interesting kind of realization I had while I was coaching one day. It's like, man, this is so important. And I, I really think that a lot of... Because, um, you know, it's becoming more, more and more uh, prevalent to just be an online powerlifting coach or an online bar- bodybuilding coach. Yeah. I really think getting some in-person experience with normal people is really valuable. Totally. It's yeah that kind of raises a lot of super interesting questions it's like if you're training people before you're training athletes i imagine it will help you when you are coaching athletes down the line to make better decisions because they're people first you know and if you're if you come into a a coaching service like you're saying just treating people like athletes or just being very specific it, it can it can lead to this real disconnect, I'd say, or this real lack of empathy and understanding. And you kind of really see the person as a robot, like, well, why haven't you filled your, your sheets in? Or like, why haven't you pushed it to this um, or or why haven't you done this? It's like, oh, well, this, this human being has an awful lot on their plate at the moment because you, you're only used to this very surface level, one dimensional kind of interaction you're blind to that, do you know? And it's, it's kind of funny. I, I do often have very mixed opinions about, the prevalence of coaching and how available it is at the moment. It's obviously very good that a lot of people have very good access to high level coaches, no matter where you are in the country. Like you're in a fucking remote part of the country, man. I don't know if you've, if you realize this and all the people around the country have access to to your service and our service, I think is a great thing, you know, and that's only facilitated um, through the internet, but there's, there's obviously goods and bads with it. Like you said, there's this kind of cohort of people who just kind of dip in because it looks great and the people who have made it through are able to make a decent living make it look so good and so interesting you have people coming into a space where they they don't know people they don't know how to work with people they haven't worked with people in person i was going to say they don't understand people but that would kind of imply that i'm saying you and i understand people which we we certainly don't or that people are are understandable or gettable but there's an element there's an element of that there it's really interesting because it is such a you've you've a real capacity to do harm in this profession, mm. you know, kind of way way more than people might realize, or way more than your average occupation. Do you know? Um, yes. So it's kind of, it's kind of alarming, you know. I I do think coaches should absolutely get a good bit of experience on the gym floor, ideally in a semi private setting, because you're working with people. Like if you were like I worked in Flyfit for a bit. And you're trying to graft for personal training and it's it can be very tough because it's just an open commercial gym and people are there to to use the gym not exactly to avail of your services as a personal trainer but if you're able to get into a semi-private gym of which there's buckets of them that's real hands-on like intense coaching experience i'd say for an awful lot of people there's a conversation i want to have with with arthur lynch about the kind of realities of a career in sports science because a lot of the people who go into college and do sports science end up just becoming personal trainers 
not knowing that they actually don't like working with people or don't have the bandwidth to take on people's problems, which you eventually do because you're you're going to be a little bit of a therapist. That's just kind of the way it goes. So it's no, it's yep. it's, it's it's super super interesting. But I'm glad to hear you've you've kind of found your your love for it again. Not that you lost it, but like you hadn't been doing mm-hmm. that kind of work and you're doing this kind of work again. So that's that's really really nice to hear because it's like you say that the early training sessions are not easy, but this this kind of makes it it's worthwhile you know that you can do this thing that you love absolutely yeah 100 percent. Awesome. very good so we it is a bit of a mishmash of an episode but i think that's a cool and interesting point that has kind of been alluded to us in person a bunch of different times but i don't think anybody is the bravery to to sign their name on a fucking q a box over it we do have some questions coming in i think i just screamed into the mic there sorry i'm, I'm still getting used to my new to my new setup here we do have a couple of different questions that came in and a, a couple of different statements that came in as well a uh, few different things that people want to answer we can start off with some higher levels of some easier things to do a lot of you might have seen that tomorrow the european powerlifting federation sub junior and junior european championships i think i said that a couple of times it is kicking off tomorrow and we've quite a decent cohort of lifters going to it including some some kind of hometown hometown heroes what's your crack for it because you're you're obviously more involved in it than i am how how are you feeling about it are you excited is there anyone that you're looking at i'll be watching um i generally do watch do watch them all um i will obviously be watching andrew rowe who (laughs) is a coach under odyssey strength some people listening might not know that we need to have coaches on again. I was going to say this, soon. like we could get Andrew on before he competes, but nah. short, short, <laughs> short enough notice. If only just himself, sit there eating his fucking Himself chicken. and Andrew Blackwood, who's also competing, um, are actually starting their own podcast. There was a, a little kind of teaser clip there released last so week I of saw, them yeah. just hysterically laughing. And I'm so excited to watch this because I feel like I will be hysterically laughing the whole way through. Um, and I hope it's with them. <laughs> That'd be nice. I'm very excited. I'm very well, excited. Uh, so, yeah, you, anyway, we'll take, tackle this to this one first. So Andrew, of course, um, I coach Andrew. I've coached Andrew for, for a very long time now, for six and a half years, coming on seven years. Damn. So very, very excited for this. Andrew is heading into his final junior year next year. Um, so we, and he's come off the back of a, a tumultuous summer in that he, he went and did a J1. So he was, he was away and living life and drinking every night and all that kind of stuff. Still of his own volition now that I think is worthwhile to be said. Oh, for sure. And I'm glad he did. I'm very, I'm very, very glad he went and, and did that. And cause he's, he's been, I've kind of criticized him in the past for, for putting training kind of too high up on his priorities and maybe foregoing certain opportunities or social situations because mm. like, oh, no, I've got a heavy squat in three weeks, you know? <laughs> so I'm really, really glad he he went and did that and got that, like had that awesome experience and he really enjoyed. Um, and kind of surprisingly, I suppose, to, for both of us, in, in, in a sense, training has been going excellently in the last six to eight weeks. Um looking as as good as he's ever looked um including an actual you know all-time bench pr there the other day so very very excited to see how he gets on and then thereafter to sit down the following week and talk about and set up kind of a a, a loose macro plan for for the coming year it's Mm. very 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 exciting um beyond that man everyone will just name everyone i guess so we've got abby hulahan Olivia Meek or Mike? I think. Sorry, Olivia. Meek. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Olivia. Kean Lynch, Liam Malone, James Murphy, Savage, uh, sub juniors. They're really strong sub juniors. Man, how are they all sub juniors? I have no idea. If you would ask me, I would have said they were all juniors. Um, then we've got Sarah McCormick, Leisha Quinn, Lang Gaffney, Jordan Bright, Leah Carney, Katrina Connolly, Eva Foley, Adam Galpin, Andrew Rowe. And Andrew Blackwood, Andrew Squared. Um, 
Jordan, Jordan Bright, and like uh, all the names, like I could talk about every single one of them. Leah Carney is someone who I'm very excited to see compete because as far as I've seen, she's been absolutely ripping shit up in training. Seems that way. Um, I think she went up a class maybe. I think that's what it is. Um, and of course, Jordan just being one of the best junior 69 kilo lifters in the world. So that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, this, I, I was asking Jordan about this because I needed to check. I actually, th- these people are, a lot of them just off the back of competing at junior worlds, like a fairly quick turnaround in terms of competition. So I had to check my list. Um, the likes of Olivia, Keane, Liam, James. And then you're talking to the the women. We have Jordan, Katrina Connolly and Ava Foley all did junior worlds. Like that's a fairly quick turnaround, high level competition to high level competition. So I I. And really Blackwood. respect that. Blackwood as well. And Blackwood. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and his training seems to be flying as well. He's really seemed to kind of hit his stride. He's one person I kind of looked at because he's, he's a big fella, obviously. He's, he's 120. He's a light 120. But in terms of height, it kind of has me, me thinking and it, 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 it kind of, it's kind You're of going push, to pushing the needle in my brain. Like, I, I don't know if there's You're going any, to if there's any need for me to be as, as light as I am. Um, I don't know. I'm going to continue how this boat goes. I, I'm I'm looking to do something at 105, like just kind of see until I hate myself, like what the what the crack is, and to see if the the strength gains accommodate for my diminished like body composition. Definitely would, man. Like, myself. and there's no way there's no way you'll be fatter than me at 105. Like you'll be in at least the same shape that I'm in, you know, if not even even better shape at the, the same body weight and i think your strength i think the strength will really fly up i'd be super interested to see how you'd get on it at 105 like literally at 105 104 105 this is, yeah i don't want to do a fucking andrew row on it and be like oh, i'm competing or even worse a cormac dag on it like i'm competing at 105 you weigh like 94 even though i did that for the longest time as a 93 like i weighed in 84 or something like that yeah. i like if i'm doing it i'm gonna do it and we've repeatedly said like this bulk i want it to be the most productive training wise that i've ever been like in terms of building muscle and building strength like if you're gonna do it fucking do it and that doesn't mean be an absolute slob like andrew seems to be at the moment with his like four plates of sausages in in the morning um, and like it, garlic bread at every meal <laughs> I like first thing in the morning that make me sick and fucking the poor dog there starving next to him just wants a sausage <laughs> yeah no I, I and actually yeah so wait what, what is Andrew's body weight at the moment because he's competing at 105 yeah he's like I want to say if I have to guess what he's going to weigh in at I'd say 98 something probably with a decent bit of food in his belly I'd say yeah 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 it's funny because I think we we were in chaos and we were looking at his stories and he was training, having a blast, like like taking all the boxes, being the man. And I think um, it was me and Dean Manning were talking shit. Like imagine imagine the, that scenario, um, and I think Dean was looking at Andrew Bench one eighty or something like that, close to it, and he was giving out. And I was saying, ah oh, no, he's one oh five now. Like he's he'll be one hundred and five kilos on the dot. And then it like Andrew's next story was him taking a taking a selfie fucking shredded to bits like body weight like 89 i was like ah balls never mind never <laughs> mind dean <laughs> but um I, I think blackwood is in kind of a similar boat he weighed in as a very light 120 at junior worlds as he yeah he doesn't visibly look like he's he's put on a, a ton of weight uh, no i think super curious I think to see for blackwood i think it's um uh, it's just a case of not seeing the necessity of cutting weight mm. and also not wanting to limit his potential growth into the future which i think is a very very wise decision totally um and yeah so i'm very excited to see him continue to grow into the 120 kilo class because man it really looks like it suits him he hasn't looked to struggle really at all in his last couple of comps so i'm very excited do you think it's silly of me to like one of the big things that i'm thinking about when when it comes to getting into triple digit body weight for for the first time like i think the heaviest i've been was 95 and that was on a fairly bloated day like over over covid um one of the things that i'm conscious of or one of the limiting factors would be just straight up health so like it i'm i'm when i'm getting up a little bit heavier i intend to be checking 
blood pressure and stuff like that I, I think I had a history of fairly high blood pressure when I was like raging out all the time um or that might have been just after training where you're going to see a spike in blood pressure anyway but I, I want to be checking that and literally like choking in my sleep because I think my neck is disproportionately big for the, the body weight that I am I think it at the biggest at an 18 inch neck when I was like 89 or 90 kilos so getting shirts is a fucking pain the whole um but like that kind of sleep apnea is something I would be concerned about so I want to keep an eye on that and I'd really rather not have to buy the machine like need a machine at night to keep me alive I think that's I think you're failing as a human if you need that to be honest um so I, I that would be a concern of mine honest to god um but look We'll see. I was going to say something about buying clothes as well, but I don't feel like I have any particularly nice nice clothes that I'd need to worry about growing out of. Um, yeah. I actually Good thing oversized has kind of been in trend recently like, as well, right? Cause... And a, a funny note on that. I Years ago, and I kind of just started, I think just started powerlifting or even before that, I bought Neil and I these Eight Man Strong t-shirts. And they were enormous. And I looked like such a <laughs> fool. I'd say like this notorious fucking big man brand. And these t-shirts were like hanging off us. We were walking into the fucking Glen Royal Ledger Club in Maynooth with them on thinking we were hard men. I found one of them the other day and I just kind of threw it on. And it fits super nice right now. So I'm like, let's go. <laughs> but it'll be that kind of style of clothes maybe. Of course, knowing my look, when I'm 105, it'll be back to... The boys' medium T-shirts is the fucking style, and I look like a fat gimp walking around, like, <laughs> struggling to get upstairs, uh, fucking hooking up, walking around with my sleep apnea machine on. I think I think get there and, and see first. I think if um, I think you know what you're getting in, what is it like 180 minutes per week or something like that, um, of of activity. Mm. then you're probably gonna be fine like you're you you you're probably gonna like register as overweight on the bmi scale um which you know again is a little bit is going to be skewed a little bit because you probably carry probably carry more muscle (laughs) than the average person Mm. um but i don't think you'll be um an example of ill health at 105 we'll see There's, there's a good few people at 105 who look amazing and are and seem to be in very good health so I, i'll just kind of thanks thanks man Appreciate put it. a little yeah you <laughs> put, i was thinking more like jordan feigenbaum but yeah you fit in that you fit in that bracket <laughs> as well um <laughs> i'll do a little like vision board a bulking vision board and uh and have that going do you know and we'll see yeah. but one thing that that makes it a little bit more appealing which is kind of a nice segue into another it was this was an actual question that we had is that coding is so much more accessible than I thought it was going to be, you know? And the way I did it last time certainly wasn't exactly, wasn't exactly sustainable. Like just eating like a dog, like having the same meal all the time and totally abstaining from alcohol because I can't be trusted with, with moderation. Um, if I do go up and it's shite and I feel terrible, I look terrible, cutting back down is not only i have the the framework and the history of success which i think is important um i don't think it's as deleterious on performance certainly not on god muscle composition muscle loss than a lot of people would have thought you know and this is a question that we got about the impact of cutting on your strength and on the amount of muscle that you have i think it's fairly minimal Mm. it obviously depends on the rate and the duration of your cut I think people can be an awful lot more aggressive than they think, you know, and especially if your training plan can accommodate for this in terms of like keeping intensity high, keeping it fairly specific and accommodating for the volume with this reduced adaptive and recovery resources that you're facing into by, by a reduced caloric intake. But a, a bit of a, it's a little bit of a hot take. I was going to do a post about it, but it's, I'm struggling to kind of word it that doesn't make me look like a total piece of shit. Um, mm. I think most people who compete in powerlifting are too heavy or cannot justify their body composition with their sport performance. Mm. Um, hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Initially, like immediately I'm resistant to that idea. 
that's my my gut instinct mm. is is to is to say that I think that's not the case. I think most people who compete in powerlifting are probably the body composition they would be without powerlifting, except they have now got the added muscle mass and all the benefits of engaging in resistance training. And it's not necessarily a, I'm doing powerlifting, I'm going to be bigger thing. It's I'm this person who has the eating habits that they have and the other lifestyle factors and habits that they have. And I'm adding powerlifting in on top of that. That, that would be my... And that's certainly true. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Like it's you're right, like it is the added benefits of having extra muscle mass and, and interacting uh thoughts, words doing resistance training and exercising and being active. Absolutely. It's I suppose I've kind of seen it anecdotally in plenty of times and maybe people are just trying to get a rise out of me, but people justifying poor nutritional habits by saying, look, I'm a powerlifter, I'm an athlete, I'm X, Y, Z, or justifying being heavier than perhaps they, they should be or or need to be by saying, oh, I'm a powerlifter, uh, it's mm-hmm. okay, or or different bits and pieces like that, you know? It's, yeah. to, to say most is, is a silly statement because there's no way I could know that and you're absolutely right. Resistance training and exercising, it has an absolutely enormous, very far-reaching benefit. So to say that, ah, well, you should cut weight is, <laughs> yeah, you know it's what I mean? That's, it's a, there, there's a bit of a bigger conversation there because I think we're talking about like health and body yeah. composition, the connection between the two. And of course there's a strong correlation between health and body composition. But I think the, the, the view the general public has on it is awfully skewed, you know, um, I don't like I think myself that people view being lean and having six pack abs as being the absolute totally, epitome yeah. of health. And that's simply not the case. Um, you know, in fact, there's, there's nothing to suggest that being, you know, 15 to 18% body fat is any less healthy than being sub 10% body fat. Maybe even, maybe even the opposite is true. Mm. I think the opposite is true. I, I I did see somebody cite research on body composition and, and longevity and they put up this Q&A and it was kind of like, oh, what body percent, body fat percentage do you think it kind of correlates with the longest life expectancy? I'll get a guess off you. What would you have thought off the top of your head? I'm going to say like 18 to 22 for men. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 2022 well, was the a, figure that was quoted to me. I'm like, fuck, did he see it as well somewhere? And he's trying to show me. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> or you're like mashing your keyboard there, Googling it. I'm impressed because <laughs> I, I would have thought like 15. Yeah. Well, the reason I said that is because the reason I said that is just because I imagined like the average of the people that I know and the, you know, the average of the, the people that live well into their 80s and 90s that I know and None of them are sub 50% body fat, yeah. like zero of them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so maybe I am talking at me whole and maybe this is why I haven't posted it because all you're saying is is right, you know? Ah, maybe I'm just giving out, you know? it's, it's <laughs> I, I dislike when people kind of glorify, even as a joke, like poor mm-hmm. nutritional habits of saying, oh, I'm a powerlifter. Like, like, oh, sets of eight to 10 is cardio. It's like, Maybe get on a fucking bike and do 20 minutes and you live a little longer, pal. Like, would you stop? Do you know that kind of mm-hmm. way? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I am just being sour and I am giving out. But anyway, to the I'm answer very to the question. Very unusual of you. Super unusual of me. I know. I must be in a real bad mood over this this bad training session. Um, My answer, I, I don't have a hard and fast answer. I, I'd love to, to do a little bit of a dig on the literature and see what's there in terms of reducing caloric intake being in a calorie deficit and the impact that has on performance i think we can say quite confidently that it will have a negligible impact on your muscle mass that's a weird phenomenon that the people really seem to think that muscle is just gonna fify off you like it's incredibly calorifically expensive and time consuming to put it on i think the inverse yeah. would be would be also true in terms of losing it it's quite difficult to lose you know yeah, I have thoughts there. So I think what what that phenomena is is kind of 
or what causes that phenomena is how people see themselves in the mirror as mm. they drop weight. Um, you know, muscle contours fat. And <laughs> a lot of people look better at, like, again, 15% body fat, you know, with a T-shirt on and a pump, you know? those yeah. A lot of people will look better at that than they do when they're, you know, uh, 12, 11, 10% body fat and looking kind of skinny and... yeah. And, gaunt you know and that's just unfortunate because we're always comparing it that's relative to the likes of you know your instagram discover page you know yeah and the types of like freak athletes who we are who we've just become conditioned to think of as normal people but no they're they're actually not the, the normal people like the reason you're seeing a picture of them that has 50,000 likes is because they're the outlier you know they're like their perfectly sculpted body is the genetic outlier and mm. and <laughs> you're probably not <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to you not know? take that personally um no you're right and that's probably at play in what i'm saying here as well when i'm giving out about about people because i'm probably looking at the likes of jordan weigenbaum who i know probably wouldn't classify himself as as being any better than the average athlete, but he's super. I would strong. dislike him. I would dislike him if he did. If he, I, I, I would respect him less if he didn't look. If he didn't identify as being in the like upper genetic pool, you know. That I feel like we could go down another question there, or a good another avenue there, because he probably wouldn't want to say, yeah, you know, I'm above average genetics. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like you, and this, you know, what if I was to take a long. Again, very unlike me to take long, winding sweeps at trying to conjoin topics. There's something about like having the 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 kind of humility to say, no, 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 I'm I'm as average as anyone else, even though he's fucking shredded at a hundred kilos body weight and puts up a mean total. I don't know what it is, but I know it's fucking it's while, significant. While training to be a MD. Oh yeah, yeah, like uh, you know. Like, <laughs> come on, man. When I feel like I'm busy, and maybe this is a real toxic mindset to have, I look at somebody like him and I'm like, I'm not busy. I just waste time on, on the internet talking shit. This is why <laughs> you need to unfollow Jocko Willink. Uh, <laughs> we're not getting into that. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm past a lot of that. Although, like... If you came up to me after my squats today and said, good, I would have given you a fucking smack now, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even though like, <laughs> that's, the, that's the point where that's acceptable because it's a silly little thing that doesn't matter. But anyway, mm -hmm. the winding sweep that I'm going to take, and I'm going to really try my best to stay focused on this one. So if you were to ask Jordan Feigenbaum and all these different, I hate to put him in the bracket of an, of an influencer, but all these different personalities, let's say, online, who've achieved really great things in terms of their body composition or their strength, I think to label them as being average or being attainable is maybe a more appropriate word, whether it is or not, it could be described as unethical fitness marketing, which is, I know, something you have you've thoughts on. It'd be like, somebody putting up that no joe fella the the british 120 junior who put up the fucking biggest like junior total of all time or something mm -hmm. like that it'd be like sub a coach junior. sub junior jesus christ it'd be like a coach putting him up and saying i got him to do this yep. sign on board like yeah that's unethical because he's obviously a fucking genetic freak and connor campbell signing up to this fella's coaching service is not going to be able to do the same thing however painting these things as attainable when the service you're selling is health promoting i think there's a little bit of room for it and and there's a lot of, there's a ton of room for abuse of this kind of thing whether it's especially body transformation and those kind of pictures like if if you're making something grand appear attainable that gets some people to maybe buy in where they hadn't in the past and make maybe make some health conscious decisions or maybe engage in some health promoting activities. I think the means there can in some ways justify the ends. And the way I'm linking this is through the powerlifting America social media nonsense that is going on at the moment that I hate came into my brain. 
I don't know what your one's name. This is the story with Powerlifting America. There was Joy a new guy. What's her name? Uh, Joy Reinflesh, I think, or Fleisch. I don't know, man. She's big on TikTok. I don't. I don't do TikToking. Joy Sestina. No. Oh well, maybe, but she's Joy Joy lifts or something anyway. Joy Joy fitness. She yeah. got upset because Powerlifting America's Instagram page unfollowed her. Very silly, right? It was some lad who got appointed as the head of social media for Powerlifting America, unfollowed a bunch of people, and she got super upset. Very silly to get upset and to post to your seven hundred thousand Instagram followers saying you're upset about it. I do, however. Here's where I'm connecting these two things. Think okay. it's valuable for federations to promote quote unquote influencers, quote unquote personalities to increase potential spectatorship and participation. You know, and I've I've often said that in Ireland we could do very well to promote personalities or very successful athletes who may be genetic elites but celebrate them as if it's as if they're Joe Soap, do you know? Because it may increase participation of a health-promoting activity. So, like, if we, if powerlifting has this image of being dirty, old, fat, racist men, which it enjoyed that reputation for a period of time, and we have Leisha Quinn, Lan Gaffney, Jordan Bright kicking ass at Junior Euros, fucking promote them. Yeah, share them, share them out. Make it make it seem as attainable as you want. Because if yeah. Mary from down the road sees Leisha Quinn pulling 180, she says, fuck, I can do that too. Like, sorry, Mary, you're not Leisha Quinn, but fuck me, it'd be good for you if you tried. You know? Yeah, I should It'll clarify, I'm not, I'm not laughing at the content of what you're saying. I'm just laughing at the fact that you got the square peg and the triangle hole, and you fucking smash that smash through, that shit in. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a pretty good connection now, to be honest. Like, that was incredible. I, yeah, oh, I incredible. really tried to stay focused there, because I, I don't know what the story is with my brain. Because um, I could have gotten lost in so many tangents there, like I'm doing now. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is the take that I have on this powerlifting social media thing uh don't give out about it it's stupid and it's silly but i think federations and the sporting bodies in general would do well to utilize personalities like let's say the gaelic games like it's it's there was a bunch of people that i don't remember their names (laughs) kind of were being brought up or the rivalries between um different players on Mm -hmm. inter-county football teams like that's being highlighted or you see it now in the rugby world cup like see it's fucking johnny sexton that you're highlighting these personalities as a way to draw in spectatorship which is a means to increase participation and this is a weird thing with powerlifting at the moment like a lot of these federations are making changes or a lot of organizers are making changes changes to increase spectatorship that maybe at some point down the line could be seen as being anti-lifter but I feel like there's a certain balance to be to be made because I think at a point, increased spectatorship will lead to increased participation, if not increased like financial support and sponsorship, sponsorships and this kind of thing. So I think that kind of spectatorship and celebrating personalities is super, super powerful. I don't know if you have, if you have any strong takes on that. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I'm out of breath here. We, we made it. We made it. Um... Unethical marketing is unethical, first of all, and shut up. And then, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I agree with everything else you said. <laughs> I agree with everything else. It's, no, when uh, I saw this listed in the topics list, I just, I eye-rolled, because I don't care. Like, I yeah. think if you care about this, like, put your phone down, please. Like, yeah, go and, like, touch grass. pick up a, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say touch grass. Um, <laughs> but, like, go and, you know, I don't know. Pick up, like get another hobby or something, please, because yeah. Jesus, if we're stooping to 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 that, we're really scraping the barrel that mm. much to 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 fucking pull up drama and like this must be the most boring sport of all time. So the race to the going. bottom has been won. Like you are the winner. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I hear what you're saying, and and it kind of is is um, it's to kind of counter what I was saying in in some way. Uh, or yeah, in, in, to a certain extent, 
uh, regarding people's skewed kind of perception of body composition based on what social media look makes um, appear attainable to the masses when when in reality it isn't that attainable to the masses but maybe you're saying that it's a it's a lesser evil that it, it does appear attainable because then maybe people will try like you say they'll they'll participate and participation yeah. is all that matters um yeah i see that point of view as well 100 percent. and it's kind of i suppose only when you're in the game and you're, you're participating then you can kind of slowly come to the terms of oh shit like maybe that's not attainable and hopefully at the same time with the help of a good coach you're like that doesn't matter like i've picked up all these fantastic things along the way and like me feel better about how i look and how i feel i have energy my health has improved i found this new social circle that doesn't revolve around the consumption of alcohol life is good and if i'm not uh doing junior euros like leisha quinn is just that's okay because i have all these other cool things to show for it you know yeah i would hope so i feel like it's a pretty optimistic yeah take but i mean how bad <laughs> how bad we have another couple of things to tick off on this list. October Open Prep is one of them. I don't know who said that because we've literally talked about that. And I haven't wanted to talk about it um, every episode. Who said this? I might name it Shane. I can't. Um, sure, I had a bit of a note. Emils. Was it Emils? Yeah, shut yeah. up, Emils. <laughs> don't want to hear it. <laughs> there is, or I think it was, it was a kind of like, is there anyone competing? That we're looking out for. I also think we've probably said this. Um, I'm excited to see Cormac Lift. And I said this to him during the week. It was it was a rare moment of a human conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, I'm mean. not nailing him to the wall there. It's it's the two of us are in it. But um, we had a normal conversation. It was very nice. And I said, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing you. You lift because your training is great. And it's a, it's a constant source of inspiration because I'm humiliated by Cormac Dagg being stronger than me. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, uh, no, I'm very, very much looking forward to the October Open. We have, we have a real stacked weekend of lifting. Mm. So it's going to be a fun one. Powerlifting in Limerick like must keep the South Court Hotel open. It's amazing. <laughs> There's a bunch of hotels. Like, if if you're listening to this and you're also staying at the South Court Hotel, let us know because I feel like I'm not staying there, but I might. Like, if you are all there, I might just pop over for the night. We will out. be. Uh, hopefully, we'll be watching the. Oh, we'll Jesus, be watching Ireland yeah. in the Rugby World Cup final against either France or South Africa. I would imagine. So that'll be enough for me. To be honest, that'll be that'll probably send me to to bed one way or the other. That the the stress will be. Oof, but yeah, yeah, come along and watch. Yeah, God, I, I, I don't like thinking about it. I, I'm. Did you watch the Scotland game? Did you? Of course, yeah. I'm. Mm. Uh, so I'm a huge Rugby World Cup doomsday spectator. I totally, like, yeah. I, I dr- dread when the Rugby World Cup rolls around, especially when we've had a good season coming yeah. up to that point, because like, so I feel like. I can't believe we're going off on a rugby tangent now, but I feel like I was the only person in the country who was like pissed off after the win against England um, to to win the Grand Slam and win the Six Nations. Like everyone else was like, yeah, Grand Slam, which, yeah, it's great. Like we won the Grand Slam, great achievement. That game against England was piss poor. So, so bad. Like the fact that they had 13 men at one point in the game, we couldn't put them away was like awful. Um, but no, we've really, we've really, really, um, kind of put on a, a a show of intent here in the the group stages so far, and we're honestly we're looking better than ever. Andy Farrell, man, what an absolute what a man, beast of a has to be up there as as he has to be in the argument or in the conversation of best Irish coach of all time. Like just how adaptable the offense is, even the defense. Like how much deeper now the kind of leadership goes beyond Johnny Sexton. Mm. Like there was a particular play in the South Africa game. Actually, it was Johnny's Johnny's step inside and run that ended up setting up Mac Hansen's try that he nearly ran out of bounds uh, <laughs> in the South Africa game. 
where Johnny took the ball in and immediately James Lowe, who's relatively new face, stepped into that leadership role and he mm. was commanding the offense and that was just awesome. And I I I had to rewatch that game because I was so stressed watching it that I couldn't <laughs> um I couldn't actually remember after the fact. I just remembered like the four last lineouts in a row at the start and the amount of stress based on the unforced errors and of course I was I was like, geez, well we got lucky there that South Africa can't kick a can't kick a ball. Of course. But of course. when I rewatched it, man, like the the adaptability in that in in this Irish Irish team is unbelievable. Like South Africa came with a game plan that was a direct counter to our to us. Mm. Inst- instead of doing what they normally do, which is you know the the defensive line comes up lightning quick and they really attack the man. They were instead at attacking the space, which was a direct counter to the way that the way that our offense has been working in the last kind of the last number of years under under Andy Farrell. And we were able to adapt so, so, so well. It was super, super impressive. So, yeah, we'll see next week. Will we break the curse, won't we? Who knows? You know what? This this might sound silly. If we get out of the quarterfinals, it'll kind of be enough for me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's when, like you said, like we... we smash through the the six nations get a grand slam whatever we celebrate and look like a bunch of fools that say doing it because every other team every other tier one team is playing a four-year game and we come in fucking every year putting all of our eggs in the in the six nations basket to come in having won the grand slam having had a clean sheet in the group stages and to fucking not make it out of the quarterfinals again being number one ranked team in the world is fucking embarrassing so please Please, I'll say this. God. I would rather, I'd rather go out in the quarters to New Zealand than in the semi-final to Wales. If we go out in the semi-finals to Wales, I will to never, Wales. ever, yeah. I'll never watch another game of rugby in my life if we go out in the semi-final to Wales. Oh, but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting less and less pessimistic as um as each week goes so i'm very excited now for next weekend yeah it'll, it'll be good i actually had a gig that evening i don't know what time it's a fairly late kickoff is that right kick i don't even know what the terminology is because if you thought you looked at me it's like it's the throw in rather than kickoff i i don't know it is a i'm a yeah. terrible sports fan i don't know anything that's that's how i preface all of these conversations you know in work uh, it's at eight o'clock. Yeah, eight o'clock on Saturday. Ooh, damn. Okay. Um, Mr. Keen Robinson once again makes a gets a shout out on the on the Odyssey podcast for his EP release next Saturday. So we're going to a massive gig in Fibsborough on Saturday for that, and it's going to be fucking class. Going to kick some heads in. It's going to be great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, awesome. Awesome. So there was no questions on the Rugby World Cup. Believe it or not, <laughs> we did get a question. We've mentioned this. This is kind of funny, right? Right. So we've we've mentioned the bottoms up method probably basically every single episode. And I get at a point we had a lot of new listeners. People may not be super familiar with what it is, and we kind of just drop it in there, like just any any traditional periodization model. Do you want to give me the cliff notes definition of what the bottoms up method is? Um, what I'll do is I'll give you what it isn't and what I regret ever insinuating that it is. <laughs> so I used to refer to it as bottom, bottom, bottoms up periodization. Um, in that it was this like new periodization model that was mm. elite and better than all of the other periodization models. It isn't that. What I refer to it now what I refer to it as now is a bottom-up approach. Simply, you're taking a bottom-up approach to training because that's all encapsulating. Um, essentially, what it is is a a method of devising training where you place the the individual, the athlete, the lifter, whatever word you use, the trainee. That's become a popular word lately. Um, in the kind of center of your thought processes surrounding training. You, for, mm-hmm. you you try, if possible, to not necessarily consider a timeline or an event. And what you do instead is you subject your individual, 
with all of their confines and quirks and nuances and preferences, etc., to a repeated uh, exposure to a stimulus in an effort to try and learn things about them, quite simply. There you go. Now you give the the, the nicer kind of more salesmany one. Do I have it? I don't think so. So. You always had like a quick quip for it, and I always forget what you said. And I always remember thinking, like, "Damn, that sounds good." Damn, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> We're is it that we aim to build training off of the trail of athlete response? So all the of trail the, of athlete response, and we let the plan emerge from long term trialing. Let test. the long yes, that's yeah, that's it. That's when that's the line that I pull out whenever things are going wrong, or whenever I'm flippant. It'll, it's like a nice like uh, cop out it's really you let the long term plan emerge from short term trialing and testing and um, it's effectively the, the, the bottoms up approach and it's kind of funny that you said like you incorrectly labeled it as a bottoms up periodization or an open ended kind of periodization this periodization is just a fancy name for, for planning training and if we're talking about something being bottoms up and open ended there's no major plan or structure in place. We're kind of just letting letting this thing emerge and seeing what it is. It's heavily inspired and it's heavily influenced by Mike Tashir's emerging strategies, which revolves around developing a framework for really productive developmental blocks, um, taking inspiration from the kind of concept of time to peak and trying to to build on effective microcycles to be able to in the future deploy them as we see fit in the build-up to competitions wherever that may be yep and it's worth saying that the opposite of bottom up is top down however that's not necessarily the case in this instance we often will employ a top-down structure within our bottom-up approach when when necessary um which might be another thing that could be seen as as a unique uh aspect of our approach um of late when compared mm. to to something like emerging strategies, I've been asked that question before, and this might be an interesting uh, note. Like I've been asked, like why don't you just call it emerging strategies? I'm like because my name isn't Mike Tashir. Like <laughs> I I I'm not running emerging strategies because I don't like we don't use the toolkit, right? You know, mm. we're not like pulling that that from him. Like yes, the idea is the same, but I I'm not like in his mind and able to kind of share his vision for, for, for what, uh, you know, the thing that he coined yeah. um, is. So I would much rather just call it a bottom up approach, which is what emerging strategies is. Yeah. There you go. Uh, if you have any more questions on that, the person who asked this, just, just send us a message. Let us know. Yep. We have, we did kind of touch on this, no, we didn't. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm skipping around my list a little bit because my brain just decided to work that way. How do you feel about the new weight classes that will be coming out in the USAPL Ireland, USAPLI? I don't care that much, to be <laughs> honest. Um, they either suit you or they don't. And like for some people, they'll be like, oh, amazing. And then for other people, like, you know, it's just arbitrary. It's a fucking number. Yeah. It really doesn't matter at all. If it suits you, excellent. Like, do it. Amazing. And if you're... If you're a non-national or non-international level lifter, do both. Like, you have every right to do both. There's absolutely nothing that says you can't. Um, so, amazing. Do you know, if, if, if both suit, then please do that. Um, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I actually lean towards caring a little bit. Like, I, I would I would like them to be the same, just to be, to be extra comparable between. But... Uh, it also doesn't matter. I don't know what the way so classes will be. I agree with you. I agree with you. I would like to see them be the same. But like the difference between them is that they're different. That's it. There yeah. is a random number. <laughs> it is totally <laughs> arbitrary. It's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. We have questions on the Christmas clash and as to why so many people are getting invited. And I asked you this question, right? Because I thought you were going to do it. And when I saw you received an invite i was like jesus yeah race to the bottom one again they're scraping the bottom of the barrel here what's the what's the crack there i it's up it's kind of obvious if you've listened over the last couple of weeks why why you may not accept an invite but i'm i'm curious to hear it from the from the horse's mouth 
why is there so many invites you're asking me is it uh, i'll ask you why not why there's so many invites because there was going to be a set number of invites invites anyway uh you're not accepting oh so you're asking why i'm not accepting yeah oh sorry that's a cool uh, conversation like uh well i just it just doesn't doesn't really put me up or down really to be honest it's it's soon and mm. i don't really fancy prepping for a competition again soon or doing a competition without prepping uh, which is another option that i uh, that yeah. some of my guys who have decided to do it are going to do we're just going to kind of do a, like a little kind of uh, mini prep as such mm. and just that just in that we're going to make training slightly more specific a few weeks out um but yeah no i just didn't really it just doesn't really fit my my plan and um in my for for me personally it's no cooler than any other comp um like nationals if i was offered like nationals and i felt like i it wasn't just because i had i was invited to nationals what was that a couple of years ago and i didn't count it because that's a very big goal of mine is to be invited to nationals but i think we were yeah. like it was just we'd just come out of covid and uh, a lot of people hadn't come back yet so it didn't count to me you know um, whereas if, if I was invited to nationals and I felt like I deserved it then yeah I would do that last minute like in this circumstance but beyond that I just don't really really care right now about that do you feel like the intention behind the Christmas clash has kind of been lost due to its placement in the calendar and the amount of people who are getting the amount of lower level no. lifters who are getting invited no not really uh, I would have liked personally to have, to have seen maybe it take a, a slightly alternative format but um no not at all it serves its purposes exactly like it's it's just there to serve as because nationals isn't isn't going to be until around this time next year yeah. so it serves as the kind of uh comp the national level comp that bridges the gap between now and then for for the likes of qualification for euros next year and worlds next year which are both going to take place before nationals 2024 yeah you know so no i think it serves its it's it's um serves its purpose purpose exactly and the criteria for invite was that you were from from for men it was that you were over a uh, uh, 400 dots i think um i, I, I think I, that is the case yeah sadly i forget what it was for females but you know that's what it was and so people it were just going down the invite list until the comp fills based on that criteria mm. you know whether people actually qualify for um well, I mean, it acts as a nationals qualifier as well, you know, so it's just another comp for, for people. Totally. I, can I ask you this? So if there are, because junior nationals is a big competition next year. I have a lot of people at me over that one way or another. Do you feel this should have been restricted to open lifters? I don't think it has. Um, or are you limiting your, your lifter pool too much there? Especially with, with yeah. open international competitions around the corner but i suppose you have junior international competitions next week or yeah. tomorrow i think it's just one of those kind of self-organizing situations like people if it matters it matters if it doesn't it doesn't and the, for those who it doesn't matter they'll probably end up doing it without any kind of consequence on on anything you know what i mean mm. if, if people are already qualified for whatever junior comp they wish to do or or whatever then they're just not going to do it you know and everything will kind of self-organize and It'll mm. be grand, you know. And uh, sorry to say, hmm? no. the The second kind of question, because I didn't know that you had, and maybe to say you had aspirations for it, is a little bit, a little bit of a. I may be misrepresenting your position. You said you would like to see it have taken an alternative route or kind of a different kind of show on it. Um, I just wanted it to be a money meet Sheffield yeah. had inspired me Sheffield had inspired me and I just thought it might be a cool opportunity for us to, to test something like that but just the, the time wasn't right I'm sure in the future um, the next committee and the committee after that will will decide how that how that plays out yeah I suppose the the problems the two big sponsors or this being the first sponsored meet or the first sponsored meet in a while anyway kind of gave rise to the potential for that but that, i'm kind of curious how that's going to play out even behind the scenes in terms of organizing the meet what impact that has for better or for worse if it adds kind of complexities or if it makes life a little bit easier or if it does kind of 
give rise to potential for for money meets down the line i think that'd be cool you know and it's i think we have a real great scene in ireland for this kind of stuff and it'd be nice for very familiar faces or homegrown heroes to get a bit of a cash prize out of their performances you know yeah absolutely 100 percent. i that's that's a, a huge ambition uh, of mine is to to somehow be able to contribute to to that being a possibility let's see how that goes yes sir Super. Now, I think that is it in terms of our questions and statements and tangents for the evening. Is there anything you want to, to add off the list or am I, am I blind? Am I, am I not seeing it? No, I think, uh, I think that nicely, nicely rounds, rounds things out. Is there anything you want to touch on before we close this out? No, because God only knows where I'm going <laughs> to take it. I'll take it to a, a wild, different place that, that nobody asks for and that nobody wants people just aren't trying hard enough to <laughs> increase their total or something yeah <laughs> uh cool well thank you everyone for listening by the way we do offer powerlifting coaching if you're interested in our services just head over to our website www.odysseystrength.ie forward slash services and you can read through our list of services there we offer programming <laughs> coaching and, uh, and and a couple other things have a look if you have any questions as always please feel free to reach out to us on our instagram pages uh, or even the the odyssey strength instagram page and ask us any questions you might have boom thank you very much for listening to episode 44 of the odyssey podcast we'll be back again soon all the best